Welcome to Faithful Doubt. My name is Jordan, and today we're starting a whole new series for the new year, and we're talking about Adam and Eve. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, uh, I'm going to ask all of you to like, follow, and subscribe on all of our social platforms. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok are all just Faithful Doubt. Instagram is Faithful underscore Doubt. Uh, and also remember, our website is still pretty new. Uh, and I encourage all of you to go look at it there, find some merchandise, um, or it asks that you would support Faithful Doubt directly uh, by donating. And all donations and support go into helping build the podcast and the ministry and are greatly appreciated. So that website is www.faithfuldoubtpodcast.com. Hope to see you guys there. Uh, and if you have questions or topics you'd like to see um, in videos, future videos, please email faithfuldoubtcg at gmail.com. So it is the new year. It is our second year of Faithful Doubt. And uh, for this year, we've got some changes uh, happening with the podcast. Uh, we are going to be doing a series all year long on the, bi the biblical stories, the stories that we all, well, probably not all of us, but a lot of us grew up with um, that we may not know a lot about. Uh, and, th and this really came out of conversation I had with friends, especially Austin, our producer, where, you know, you've heard of Noah, Noah's Ark. You know that, you know, he saved two of every animal and there was a, a big flood. But you don't know much more beyond that. Perhaps that's you. So the, the idea behind this series is, well, let's walk through what actually happened in the story of Noah. Let's walk through what actually happened with King David versus Goliath. You know, David and Goliath is a popular story. What about Jonah being swallowed by the whale? So we're going to go through a lot of these stories over the next year, uh, kind of unwrapping uh, and wrestling with what the stories are and what they mean for Christians, what they mean for non-Christians. And I'm going to do my best to look at it from both perspectives, but I'm going to need your help on that, uh, especially if you're a non-Christian. I, I ask that you... Uh, share your feedback or your questions you have on these stories as well. And so I could think of no better story to start with, to start the year with, than the story of Adam and Eve. We all know Adam and Eve. Uh, it is pretty culturally known who Adam and Eve are. We have uh, references to them all over the place. Um, and actually, in a lot of episodes, I've covered Genesis a lot, I feel like. Um, I've covered the creation story. Those were like the first five episodes we ever did. We're going to refilm those at some point because, you know, we started out with just an iPhone and a library with horrible lighting and audio. And those first like nine episodes are really hard for me to watch. So we're going to redo those at some point. But if you are curious about what I say about where creation happened, when it was, why did God create everything? You can go look at episodes one through five and I explain everything there. I've gone through the story of Adam and Eve a couple times, but today I'm really going to get into it uh, with you and, and what the story is about. And so, creation story. What is Genesis? Why, what, what, where does Adam and Eve, where do they come from? When do they start? Why are they here? What happens, right? Let's, let's just look at this completely brand new, with a brand new perspective. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth 
And everything we know from the birds to the animals to the vegetation to the ocean to the sky to the sun and the moon, God creates everything, okay? And we see that in Genesis 1. And then at the end of Genesis, or at the end of each day, God says, oh, this is good. I like what I've created. It's, it, I'm, I'm pleased with it. But at, at the end of day five, God sees that not everything is good. That, Or excuse me, at the end of day six, God sees that not everything is good after he's created a single man in Adam. And he created Adam in his own image. And, and we see that repeated. Adam was created in the image of God. In the image of God, Adam was created. You see that repeated? Whenever you read in scripture an idea or a word being repeated, it means it's important. And so uh, the biblical author of Genesis in God's word is reminding us that us being created in the image of God is very important. Uh, and, and then because God sees that Adam is alone and without no, it, the word is helper. It is not as demeaning as people take it to be. Um, it is just a translation of another word that would have meant uh, equal partner. You know, we can sum it up that way. It does not mean that someone's inferior. God sees that Adam is lonely and he needs someone to walk alongside him and be with him and know him who is like Adam. So God puts Adam in this deep sleep and takes a rib out of Adam's side. And from that rib comes Eve the first woman. And so we see that there's a difference between men and women. And this is uh, obviously a culturally relevant topic. It's a hot topic, right? We, we have a culture that's saying that part of the culture is saying there is no difference between men and women. Um, we have parts of culture that say men are greater than women. We've had that forever. We have parts of culture that are now saying uh, men and women uh, are totally the same. Um, and there is no difference. And what God is saying here, what the Bible is saying is there is a difference. We, you know, we are not some just mindless result of evolution. We, we didn't just happen. God created us. Now, if you're not a Christian, maybe you believe in evolution, and I'm not saying evolution's totally out. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't believe in evolution. I don't find a lot of and uh, I don't find a lot of substantial evidence uh, for evolution. But what, what, what the biblical author is saying here is, to God, there is a difference between men and women. And they're not accidents. And since he created them, the differences are good and they're meaningful. You know, men and women are equal, but a, but a woman is not the same as a man, and a man is not the same as a woman. A man cannot be superior at being a woman, and a woman cannot be superior at being a man. God created men for a purpose, and he created women for a purpose. And those are good things. Those are beautiful things, and they are to be celebrated. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to believe, how am I going to say this? I don't want women, I guess I should say, to believe that somehow a man can be better at being a woman and vice versa. We were created for a purpose. They were good and meaningful purposes. The next thing we see after God has created Eve, we get into Genesis 2. We see the recounting of the Genesis creation story. 
And God gives his first command, which is to be fruitful and multiply uh, the earth and to tend uh, to the animals and the garden. And so this is where the Garden of Eden comes into play. Uh, we have all the animals, we have all the vegetation, everything is for the pleasure and taking of Adam and Eve. Uh, they can do what they want. There's just one, uh, one rule, one commandment. That is to not eat of a certain tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's two trees in the garden that we need to take note of. There's the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What, what are, you know, there's a lot of debate over whether those are real, whether that's a metaphor. Um, but here's, here's what we do know. They had eternal life. They were immortal. They were going to live forever in the presence of God in the garden. And so the tree of life, if they're eating from it, it could be a metaphor. It could be, or it could be real. It could be a real tree that God gives them, you know, the, the eternal life from. And, I, and as we're going to see later on, as I'm going to point out, the tree of life, there is a connection there to, to Jesus. Now, Adam and Eve are naked. They're not ashamed of who they are. There's no guilt. There's no sin. Uh, and we see that uh, sex exists before the fall um, because God commands them to be fruitful and multiply. And so sex is a good thing. You know, the church tends to treat sex as a hush-hush topic. We shouldn't talk about it. You know, it's, it's impolite or it's crude. And it can't, you know, the way we talk about it can be crude. But sex in and of itself is not crude. It's a beautiful gift that God gave us. And it's so that we can know our, our wife or husband, right? Adam and Eve know each other. We see this in Scripture. It says that Adam knew Eve and they conceived a son. Knew is, is just another word for they had sex. So we, we see that. And... Adam and Eve enjoy being in the garden. They enjoy walking in the day with God and they have community and relationship with them. And then in chapter three, we see a serpent tempts Eve to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now it is not explicitly stated that the serpent is Satan within Genesis, but we see later on in like Ezekiel 28 that, that the serpent was Satan. Uh, and in later texts in scripture, we see that as well. And Satan is oft, often resembled, or the imagery of Satan is often uh, compared to a serpent. So that's that's where that comes from. And the serpent tempts Eve to eat the tree from the fruit of the knowledge. From the <laughs> Satan tempts Eve to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So she ends up doing that, and by doing so. She sins against God because she has broken the one commandment that he gave. Sin is a rejection of God as Lord. It is saying, what sin is ultimately is saying, I am my own master and I will do what I want to do and I will please and serve myself. And so by Eve dis disobeying God, that's what she's doing. She's, she's rejecting God's uh kingship and lordship over her life, she is now submitting to her own, uh, you know, she must be her own God. And so she sins, but she also goes and tempts Adam to sin. 
and Adam being uh, the the first creation, the first uh, created person, should know better. They both should know better, but Adam really should have known better than to do this. Instead, he takes from the fruit, um, knowing full well what he's doing, and he rejects God as well. And so the next thing we see Adam and Eve do after they sin is they they are aware of their nakedness. And yes, that might be physical, but there's also a spiritual element to that. They're aware of their sin. And they are now, there's nothing between them and God. Or there is there is now this thing separating them between them and God, and that is sin. And so in order to try to cover themselves up and get rid of the guilt and shame of sin so that they can still be with God. They try to form garments out of fig leaves, which in and of itself was probably not a wise idea. Fig leaves are prickly. So who knows how that would have felt. And, you know, if God really is omniscient and all-knowing and all-powerful, then then he would have known they sinned, right? He would have known what they did done. But what does God do? If you read this story in chapter 3, and into chapter four, God, as Adam and Eve are hiding in the day in the garden, trying to cover themselves up because they're they're afraid. They're afraid of what God's going to do. This, this they are afraid of what they've done. They're they're ashamed of what they've done, and now they're afraid how God's going to react. And God knows what they've done, but so they're they're hiding from Him. And God walks in the cool of the day, and the first thing we say is beautiful. The first thing we see God do and say is, "Where are you?" It's not, you know, God had every right to come into the garden and just, he could have killed them. He could have said, what you've done is horrible. He could have just lectured them, could have yelled at them. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. He's God. But this is the character of God. He comes in as a loving father and he says, where are you? Does he really not know where they are? Of course he does. But he wants to give Adam and Eve the opportunity to come to him, repent of what they've done, and, and embrace God again as their, as their Lord. And so when they come out, God asks them, asks Adam, what have you done? And, th- and this question of where are you, it's meant, to, it's meant to instill in Adam a sense of you're lost. You, you have, because you have sinned, you're lost and, and, and you're, you're separated from me. It was meant to lead Adam to confess his sin, repent of it. And it was and the question expresses God's sorrow over what, what they've done and over their condition now. But Adam doesn't take accountability. He actually blames Eve, which, you know, if you think about it, we're all guilty of today. Uh, this is why we're no different than Adam and Eve. All of us would shift blame and do shift blame of sin onto other people. Uh, we do that all the time. When he shifts blame in the, onto Eve, he then asks Eve, is it true that you've done this? And Eve, she doesn't necessarily shift blame, but she also doesn't take accountability either. She says that the serpent deceived her, the serpent that God placed in the garden. And that's interesting because it shows uh, it shows us that Adam really rejects any accountability, but Eve, she says she's deceived. She's not lying. She really was deceived, but she still kind of blames the serpent for, you know, she doesn't really necessarily blame him, but the serpent has something to do with it. Really, if Eve had just said, I was deceived and I I am totally 
to, you know, this is all my fault. I take full responsibility. God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. You know, that would have been taking full accountability of what she had done, but she didn't really do that. She kind of found a way around it. And so what we see is God is expressing sorrow and he's sad. And, and, and what we really see is a reflection of how God is going to come and save humanity later on down the road. God comes into the garden while Adam and Eve are hiding. And they're lost in their, their nakedness, their shame, their guilt, and their sin. They're lost. They're separated. But he comes into the garden as a loving father asking, where are you? And in the same way, God's going to come in the person of Jesus into this world. And all of us are separated from the Father. And, and Jesus is going to say, not, not ask, where are you? But he's going to say, here I am. And I have come to find you and bring you back to the Father. And so we can already see the, the foreshadowing of how God is going to redeem humanity. And so uh, we, we then move on from this conversation that God's having to, he's now going to reveal the curse of sin to Adam and Eve, but also to Satan. Because what we can kind of take from this story is that perhaps Satan, I mean, I mean, Satan was in the garden. He was allowed to be in community with Adam and Eve. So it's entirely possible that Satan uh, wasn't in rebellion at this point. I, I'm just speculating. It's just something to think about. Because part of the curse of sin is, is now God has cursed the serpent, meaning Satan. And he says, I'm going to put enmity, enmity between you and the woman. Uh, and which means all of mankind is going to have this natural aversion to Satan, but we also have a natural aversion to God. Um, so we're kind of we're kind of neutral. We don't we don't come into this world fully loving and understanding and knowing God, and we don't come into this world f- fully trusting uh, and and wanting to be with Satan. You know, we want we want our own selves to be the master. And so the curse of sin for Satan is that he's going to be cursed. Uh, by mankind, he, and he's going to crawl on his belly, um, and he, God then reveals that one day the seed of, of Eve, meaning the Messiah or Jesus, Satan is going to, uh, uh, wow, I can't think of the word, um, he's going to not crush his head, the serpent is going to bite the heel, I guess. I can't, I don't know why I can't think of the word right now. Is going to take from the heel of the, of, of the seed of the woman and the, and the seed of the woman is going to crush his head. What does that mean? The serpent, Satan, is going to hurt Jesus through his crucifixion and death. He's going to hurt him. But in the end, Jesus is going to crush sin and death and crush the head of Satan. And just, it's over at that point. And so God is already foreshadowing his plan of redemption. You know, this, this just happened and he's already telling Satan in a way, I'm, you know, you think you've won. You think you've, you've taken my creation from me, but here's what's going to happen. I'm going to bring them back to me. And this is how it's going to happen. And so we see the prophecy of Jesus. And then, and then God lays out the curse for Adam, which is, you know, you now you have to work for your food. You have to toil um, for food, and and you have to survive. You know, you're going to die. The, obviously, the curse of sin is death, and that applies to both Adam and Eve. For Eve and women, the curse 
extends to childbirth and you're going to, there will now be pain and childbirth. Uh, and then, like I said, death is the main curse of sin. So after that, we see in chapter four that God still is a loving father towards Adam and Eve, but they can no longer remain in the garden. God says to the cherubim, you know, they now know the difference between good and evil. They've become like us. When he says us, he means Jesus and the spirit. So now they know the difference between good and evil and they can sin. Um, and they can't, they can't be in his presence anymore. And so they have to be exiled from the garden. But before he does that, God, as a loving father, clothes them in proper garments made from animal hide. Um, he gets rid of the fig leaves and gives them proper clothing um, that would have been warm, uh, would have been comfortable. But what that really means is this is the first sacrifice of an animal. This is the first death in creation, right? Like if everything was immortal and would last forever, this is the first death. An animal had to die for what Adam and Eve have done. And this is, this is where animal sacrifice comes in the Old Testament. And we see that sacrifice has to be made for us to be in the presence of God, to wipe away sin. Something had to die for Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve to be clothed before God. And what we're going to see is that Jesus becomes the lamb that is sacrificed so that we can be clothed in a robe of righteousness so we can be with God. And that is the beautiful connection there to the gospel. And so God exiles them. He puts a cherubim, which is an angel, with a flaming sword guarding the entrance to the garden and the tree of life. And so now we're cut off. Adam and Eve are cut off from God and his presence in the garden. They can no longer be in constant community and communion with him. And guarding the way to God is a flaming sword, and, and someone is going to have to go under that sword uh, to bring us back, and that is Jesus. And just as a tree, eating from a tree, brought sin into this world, a man hanging on a tree uh, in the form of a cross will bring life back into it. And so that is that is the connection between Ad, the story of Adam and Eve and Jesus. And Jesus is known as the second Adam. And uh, I'll get into that at some other point. But this is this is kind of an overview of Adam and Eve. And we're going to see next uh, in the next episode the continuation of Adam and Eve's line and and where humanity is going with the story of Cain and Abel. So if you've never heard the story told like that. Uh, I, I would ask that you share what you thought about it, uh, share your questions and perhaps your understanding of the story of Adam and Eve. Um, and we can talk about that uh, in the group. So thanks for watching, guys. Uh, remember, we're continuing this series. Uh, next time, we'll talk about Cain and Abel. And as always, I'll see you next time. <laughs>